I just told my wife, I think it's my turn. It's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, I, I don't like the circumstances with Brother Jake being sick, and, and uh, I talked to him yesterday, and, and he's, he's still physically not doing very well, and hopefully this morning finds him well. It's uh, unusual this morning that uh, I've had two texts this morning uh, as prayers. One was from Brother Jake, one was from my uncle. Uh, just uh, a lot of things happening. Brother Jake had texted me Tuesday evening. We were actually at an association meeting in Alicia, and I knew he wasn't there but wasn't uh, sure why uh, he had missed. And during the meeting, got the text that he had COVID, and he asked if I could, uh, if I could preach for him. I will tell you this was not my plans for the weekend. Uh, my plans for the weekend was I was going gator hunting, and uh, my friends did go. I didn't get to go with them, but uh, when he texted me, I, I knew that I had set this weekend aside to go gator hunting, but I knew immediately I needed to come here, and the message was laid on me uh, when he said that, and uh, I knew which one it was, and I became very excited about being here, and that's a, kind of an unusual thing, but I was kind of giddy. Uh, about coming here. This morning our text is going to come from Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 as you're, as you're turning there. Some of you know me, some of you don't. My name is Charles Morgan. I grew up down the road here in between Minern and Clover Bend. If you don't pronounce it Minern, you're not from here. It's not Minturn. Uh, I grew up in a little place called Hopewell, just a spot in the road down there. And uh, Started out school at Clover Bend. I ended up graduating from Hoxie. Uh, if you graduate from Walnut Ridge, I don't care anymore. <laughs> Used to be a big deal. Uh, so it, I met some, Ray introduced me to a couple of boys that uh, play football down there. And he was telling them that I, you know, I played linebacker and I was a mean linebacker. And I, was, I said, that's 40 years gone by. And it, the years go by, but you, you know, this time of year, you start watching football and you start remembering games and things. And, and uh, in your mind, you go back to that time. But in my body, I know in less than three weeks, I'm going to be 60 years old. So it, the reminders are there, the knees hurt, you know, and things like that. Before I read my scripture, and I'm only going to read one scripture this morning. I'm going to read verse 12 of chapter 2. I want to tell you how this sermon came about. And the Lord gives me messages in different ways. Uh, my uncle Frank, my dad's brother, lives in South Haven, Mississippi, a very uh, dedicated Christian, and one afternoon he called me. And I was actually out on my tractor, and I killed the tractor, and I sat there and talked to him. And he said, I want to share something with you. He had a friend who had had cancer, who had uh, gotten over that, but yet they had found something on his pancreas. There was a tumor there. And he was, he was a little bit distraught over it. And he'd been praying, and he said that as he was praying, he felt the Lord speak to him. Now, sometimes we say the Lord speaks to us, and people get freaked out. They think, well, you know, you got the Moses revelation from the burning bush. The Lord speaks to us in many ways through his word. Sometimes I, I just have the word come upon me. But he said he was praying, and he heard these three words, watch me work. And as he was telling me this, I was thinking about it, and I said, Uncle Frank, I said, I think there's a sermon there. He said, I thought you might think that. And so 
For several weeks, I tried to work out a sermon. I knew there was a sermon there, and I was trying my best to find some clever scripture that would just spell it out, and it would be there, and I would say, see, that's it. God gave me this message, and how great it is. And I couldn't find anything. I mean, every scripture I would think I would look, and I'd go, no, that's not it. That's not it. And so I'd finally, I was sitting at my desk, and I just had my Bible open. I said, Lord, I said, I guess there's not a sermon there. And then the scripture hit me. And I preached Mark chapter 2 and so many times and never in the way that God was giving it to me. And I even said, God, I, I don't preach it that way. And he said, you do now. So when Brother Jake texted me on Tuesday night and I said, I'm not going gator hunting, I will be there. This message immediately hit me and I thought, Lord, I don't know why, I've preached this one time, and I didn't think it was that great. And I told my wife, I said, I don't know why I feel like I'm supposed to preach this message. I just don't understand. And the Lord began revealing some things to me, and then my Uncle Frank called me yesterday, and he said, hey, I want to share something with you. And I said, okay, what is it? And he said, you know the friend I told you about? And I said, yes. He said, well, he went in, they did a biopsy of his tumor on his pancreas, and he said, the tumor is there, but it's died. And I said, okay, I understand. Probably not fully, but I understand. I know where you're leading me. And so as we see this scripture, I want to bring it out to you that these are real people, real lives. I hear so much of the time, especially from young people, about Christianity and the faith. I want something that's real. I want to know that it's real, and I understand what they're talking about. I have seen fake Christianity all my life. I walked away from the church because I had seen it. I decided, well, if that's all there is, I don't want anything to do with it. But see, I was looking at everyone else and not at my relationship with Christ. I want you to understand that Jesus is real. People we're going to read about are real. The times were real. They may have wore different clothes, may have done different things, they may have had different habits or even a different culture, but it's all relevant today because they're human beings. Same emotions, same problems, same ups, same downs. So if you will, please stand with me for reading of God's word, Mark chapter 2. And we're only going to read verse 12, and then I'm going to talk about the rest of it. And by the time I get done, you may go, I don't know why he was excited to be here. He said, immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you'll be with my stammering tongue. Help me to preach this message that you've given me. Lord, I thank you so much for this word. Lord, the way you speak to us. But I do pray for this church. I pray for all that are here, Lord. All that are around our world preaching the gospel. Lord, there are souls to be saved. We need to be about that. I just come to you, Lord, just humbled. I'm even allowed to be here. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. 
Brother said something to me. He said, you move around, don't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, I'll tell our camera people. I do move around. I don't try to. I'm a nervous person by habit. And uh, I just can't hardly stand still. But I did tell him that during COVID, we had a, a platform built. And we were doing uh, parking lot service. And, and uh, it, was, it was about that tall. And I stepped back. And I realized I couldn't move around. I nearly fell backwards. So I don't want to come off this stage either. But if I fall off, I'm going to just lay there and act like I'm praying. <laughs> All right, so we've got Jesus, and it says, and he again entered into Capernaum. He came back. He had been there. He had been healing people. He had been preaching, and this Bible says that he was preaching right now. But he came back there after going out in the desert. He went out in the desert because it became so crowded. Everyone was coming to him. They wanted something from Jesus. They wanted to be healed. They were bringing their sick. They were bringing all these people, and they were bringing them to Jesus, and it got to be where he had to go out and get away from everybody in a bigger venue. But he'd come back, and he was at a house, and it said it was noise, or it was pro proclaimed about that he was in the house. Everybody was like, Jesus is back. He's back. He's in this house. We know where he is. So the first person we want to talk about is Jesus. Jesus is the center of everything. You may not even know that. You may not even acknowledge that right now, but Jesus is the center of everything. Everything that we know, everything that we think we know, Jesus created. John tells us that. He said that everything was created by Jesus. Everything was done by Jesus. Without him, none of it was done. We've got Jesus, and I'm going to tell you this morning, this morning, I want you to meet Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. See, a lot of people have seen him, a lot of people have been around him, but very few know him. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want you to walk out of here without knowing the truth about Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand that heaven and hell are real places. I don't care who writes books and says, well, hell's not real. Everybody latched on to that because they thought, well, that's great. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I want you to understand that you will spend eternity with Jesus or without Jesus. You will make a decision about Jesus, the Christ, before you leave here. Some say well, he's a great guy. He is. Some say he's a prophet. He is. Some say he was a miracle worker. He is. Absolutely. But few will acknowledge that he is God. He said, I and the Father are one. We have Jesus. He's back in the house. And everybody wants to see him. Now we've got five people we want to talk about. One of them is stricken to the point that he can't walk. He needs Jesus. Folks, we all need Jesus. But Jesus was healing people. That was his hope. But he couldn't get there alone. So he had four friends. Now, I will tell you, I heard Dennis Swanberg do voices for these four friends, and it was great, and he does that, and I can't. But these people, these four friends, were phenomenal. 
If you got four friends like this, you better hang on to them. Because these four friends knew that this man needed Jesus. These four friends were determined that they were going to get their friend to Jesus. Do you have a friend that you know needs Jesus? Are you prepared to take them to Jesus? To let them know who Jesus is and who he is in your life and what he has done. These four friends were taking their friend to Jesus, but there was a crowd around the house. They couldn't get to the house. They knew they needed to get their friend to Jesus, but they couldn't get through. It was a crowd around it, and they could not find a way through. But it, as daunting as the problem was, their determination was greater. They took him to the roof. Now, I always think about the house owner here. And over Luke, it talks about that there, there was tiles on the roof. And they got him on the roof, and they started taking these tiles up. And I can just imagine them walking around, listening. He's right here. He's right here. I can hear him talking. I can hear him talking when I read this word. I want you to know Jesus this morning. Hey, started taking up the tiles and they lowered him down. I love what Jesus says. He says he looked up and he saw their faith. He didn't see their determination. He didn't see their good looks. He didn't see their nice clothing. He didn't see their ingenious way that they had lowered him down, their engineering capabilities. He saw their faith. Now, I can't see that in people. I can see some evidence of it, but I can't really see their faith. Jesus saw their faith. And Jesus made a statement to this man. Hey, feller, you look crippled. Why don't you get up and go? That's not what he said. Hey, I see that your friends love you very much. Because of that love, get up and go. He said something to him. He said, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Which brings us to the other group we want to talk about, the scribes. Now, I want you to understand who these people were. They were the Xerox machines of the day. They copied Scripture. They knew the Scripture. They knew it backward, forward, any way you wanted to talk about it. When Herod wanted to know where Jesus was going to be born, he called the scribes. They said, that one's easy. That one's easy. Bethlehem Ephrata. That's what the Scripture says. And I'm going to tell you this morning that you may know a lot of Scripture. You may have the Bible memorized. You may be able to quote it and pop it off and, and know every bit of it. I want you to understand that Satan does too. It's not enough to know what this book says. You can read it, you can know it, you can do rote memory, you can have memory verses in there, but without a relationship with Jesus, it's not going to do you any good. These scribes, it said, reasoned in their heart. That means they didn't say it out loud, but they were thinking this. What's wrong with this guy? Only God can forgive sins. Well, duh. Yeah. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. 
And all these people converged on this one point. Very real people. We don't get names here, but they're very real people. This morning, you are very real people. This morning, you have a very real story. Each person in here has a life that's a story. My wife and I were talking about that. You know, we can go through events in our life, things we've gone through, things we didn't go through. That's our story. You can lay it out. You may be going through something right now. Jesus understood what they were thinking. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a little bit scary to me. I mean, there's a lot of times I really don't want people to know what I'm thinking. <laughs> like, and you don't want to know. You say, oh, I've never had thoughts like that. Then you've never driven. You've never been in a car. We all have thoughts that we really don't want to share with anybody, right? These scribes were obviously close enough to the house. They had a front row seat because they heard what Jesus said. So why were they there? We don't really know. Were they there because they were curious? Were they there because they were angry? Were they there because they just didn't have anything else to do that day? We don't get that, but we do know that they didn't like what they heard. And Jesus knew that they didn't like that. Jesus knew what they thought. And he asked them, he said, why are you doing that in your hearts? Why are you thinking that? And then he says something, he said, so you know. And this is where I came to when I was looking for this scripture and I was thinking, why can't I find anything? And I thought, it's right there. He said, why reason ye these things in your heart, whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. What was he saying to them? He was saying, watch me work. Watch what I'm about to do. Folks, I have been in the ministry over 20 years, and I'm still amazed what Jesus does. I'm still amazed at how he works in lives. I'm still amazed when people get saved. I'm still amazed when lives are turned around. And I'm telling you, I don't know what goes on in you right now. But I will tell you, Jesus is saying, watch me work. Maybe you're dealing with an addiction. Watch me work. Maybe your marriage is in shambles. Watch me work. Maybe you're smiling on the outside and you're crying on the inside. Watch me work. Maybe you're hurting this morning. Watch me work. Maybe things are going great for you. Watch me work. Maybe you don't know where you're supposed to be going or what you're supposed to be doing. Watch me work. You say, you don't understand what I'm going through. I don't understand what you're going through. I understand what I'm going through. I understand what my family has gone through. I understand the things we've done. I understand that when I talk to someone that has gone through a miscarriage, 
I understand how I felt then. I understand, and I can look at them and go, I've been there. Folks, I don't know what is in your heart this morning, but I'm going to tell you, you need Jesus. You're in one of two states in here. You're either lost, and you need Jesus to work in your life, to allow you to come forward and accept that free gift he's given and watch him work in your life. Or you're saved, you've accepted Christ as your Savior, and you need God to work in your life right now. Because if you're not allowing him to work in your life, you're missing out. My life has gone through a lot of things. I've 20 plus years in the ministry. I was telling Brother Jake that I counseled with one of our pastors in our association not long ago, and I went home and I was sick to my stomach. Because he was going through something in church that I've gone through, and it made me sick. It brought up memories. But then it brought back to here, watch me work. I'm going to share something with you that most people, except for my great good friends and family, know. Somewhere around 2019, I went into the doctor. I'd been going to the VA doctor, and they told me that my PSA level was high, and I finally I went into the doctor, and they diagnosed me with prostate cancer. That's not the crazy part of it. The crazy part is I was pastoring a church, and we were going through some tough times, and I was afraid to tell anybody in the church. Most of them don't even know it yet. I told my wife, I said, I can't let them know they're going to see that as a weakness. They're going to push me out. God is doing such great work here, I don't want to do that. You see, I didn't say, Jesus, I want to watch you work. I laid it on myself. So I put it off, and I ended up leaving that church, and my dad died. My wife got diagnosed with bone cancer. Folks, I was not in a great place, and I've shared that with you. I wasn't in the place where I said, oh, Jesus, I want to watch you work. I had to go and talk to him and cry out to him, and Lord, are you going to take everybody from me? I'm not afraid to die myself, but are you going to take all these people that I love from me? I don't know what you're going through. But I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus wants to work in your life. He's saying to you right now, watch me work. Church, he's saying, watch me work. Individual, he's saying, watch me work. I will tell you right now, there are times that I see Jesus do things, and I'm going, what are you doing? And then later on I go, oh, yeah, that was good. Much better than I could have. I, man, I had some great suggestions to you, Jesus. Y'all ever have those? Lord, I'm going to just tell you something. You know, uh, I got some people you need to take out. Don't make it painful. Real quick, it'll be okay. I got some other people I need you to elevate. Don't give them the big head, but it'll be all right. He always listens to me. And then he goes, yeah, no. 
We'll do it my way. Just watch me work. He said, look, so you may know that I am who I say I am. Who did he say he was? He said, I and the Father are one. He said, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. You say, wow, what does that mean? It's the same thing that came out of the burning bush when Moses walked up. I am. The son of God. 100% man. 100% God. The only one that could give the sacrifice for our sin. The only one that could do the work that we can't do. You see, we cannot work our way into heaven. You may give a lot of money. I'm not going to get you into heaven. You may give a lot of your time. I'm not going to get you into heaven. Matthew chapter 7, some of the scariest verses over there are 22 and 23. It talks about these people that come to Jesus and they had a judgment, at the judgment, and say, didn't we do all these things in your name? And he never said, no, you didn't. But he said, I never knew you. You may have your name on a church row. You may be on several church rows. I've, I've known people that have done that. Just for a little cushion. They'll be in one church and they'll leave and they'll go to another and go, I don't really want to take my name off that row, but I want to keep it here. Why? Oh, well, you know, I'm covering all my bases. Folks, there's only one base you need to cover, and that's your relationship with Jesus. The Bible says if you'll confess... Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's not lengthy. It's not drawn out. You don't have to fill out paperwork and wait for your registration to come back. That's what you got to do. Jesus said, so you'll know who I am. And then he talks to the guy and he says, take up your bed and walk. I say, Arise, take up your bed, and go your way to your own house. He didn't have to do that. But he let them know, this is so you'll know. Folks, I've seen such great things happen. I've seen people go on to be with the Lord. I've preached funerals for people that have been great examples. And I tell people, I know where they are. I preach funerals for people that even their own children have come up and said, I don't know that they ever made a decision for Christ. That's a sad day. I preach funerals where everybody was looking at their phone. And as soon as it was done, they walked off. You see, I do my best at these funerals. I want to comfort the family. But their decision is already made. Your decision will be made today. Are you going to accept Christ, the one who died on the cross and defeated death for you? Or are you going to reject him? Are you going to watch him work in your life? Or are you going to tell him, no, I think I'll do it on my own? I've got this covered. 
If you're sitting there saying right now, well, I really don't need Jesus. I've got a great job. I've got all these things. I want to ask you a question, and I want you to be honest with yourself. You don't even have to look at me. You don't even have to think about it. How's that working out for you? If you don't know Jesus this morning as your Savior, why are you here? There's a reason you're here. He's drawing you in. He's saying, hey, won't you accept this gift? He says, immediately this guy got up and walked. Immediately. I love that word. It's several places in the Bible dealing with Jesus. When Peter cried out to him in the storm, it says immediately he reached down and grabbed him. It says immediately this guy, he got up and walked. He didn't have to wait. It was immediate. Lives can be transformed immediately. Now, I'm not going to tell you that if you pray this morning, say, Lord, my hurt is here, that all the world is going to be great. You're going to walk out and it's going to be like a Walt Disney movie, the birds are going to land on your shoulders and start whistling, and, and uh, you're going to get a letter in the mail so you no longer have any bills. I'm not telling you that, but I'm going to tell you this, you'll have a peace that goes beyond understanding in this world. You're going to have a smile on your face that's not going to be explained by anybody. They're going to look and say, why are you that way? Why do you have peace? Because I have Christ. I'm watching him work in my life. And I'm going to give this analogy, and I've probably already done this before, but this is the way I think about things. Basically because I'm just pretty simple-minded. But I think about this as a pie. Anybody like pie? How many of you like pie? Y'all can raise your hand. I know we're in a Baptist church. See there, roof didn't fall in. We're so afraid to say amen and hallelujah. I hope we learn that before we get to heaven. Life is like pie. I love cherry pie. Here's the way most of us do it. We look at our life, our pie, and at some point in time we slice it up. And we dedicate each piece to something. Well, this is, this is my relationship. This is my family. This is my career. This is my activities. This is this. This is my church life. This is this. This is this. And once we get done, if we've got anything left, we say, now, God, what's left is yours. This is your piece of my pie, God. But wait a second. We take one last bite. Allowing Jesus to work in our life is like this. We take that life, that pie, and we hand it to him. And we say, Lord, you slice it up. It's yours. You direct me. That's allowing him to work in our lives. Watch me work. Where are you this morning? No doubt some of you have not even been here in this room this morning even though you were sitting in this room. It's one thing, I do a radio program and I was telling people, I said, it's hard for me to do because I can't look out and see people. 
when I'm preaching, I can see people and they give you cues. When they're doing this, they're not paying attention. Some of them can look you square in the eye, but you can move and you can tell they're still looking that way. Some of you are here because you want to hear the word of God. You want to preach. Some of you are here because you need Jesus in your life and you don't have him. We're going to give you an opportunity here in a little bit to accept Christ. And there are people in this room that will be glad to talk to you about it. And I'll tell you what I've got to say about it, but what the word of God says. Word of God tells us we all sin and come short of the glory of God. How many of you are looking forward to archery season? You can raise your arm higher than that, son. Like, yeah, I don't want anybody to know it. Man, archery season's coming up. What do you do? Do you, do you just go out in the woods or do you practice first? You practice. You get your target, don't you? You try to get it in that area of that target. Well, all of sin and come short of the glory of God, that's an archery term. We've all missed the point. We've all missed the target. We can't do it. You can sit there and go all day long and you're still missing it. We can't do it on our own. I don't care who you are or where you've been, what you're wearing, where you think you're going, how much money you have, how much you don't have where you came from, we've all missed it. Big, tall, short, fat, ugly, good looking. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of that, we're all sinners. The wages of that sin, what we've earned, because we're sinners, and it's not because you're a bad person, it's because Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. We've all come short. The wages of that sin is death. Not just his physical death, the spiritual death that I talked about earlier. But the gift of God is eternal life. Everybody want to live? Eternal life. Not of ourselves, but through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you'll confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. That's a promise from God. He's kept every single promise. Folks, I gave you an example of how I, I got into myself and I took my eyes off Jesus and I had to go back to him and say, but Lord, you've made promises to me. When my dad died, I couldn't sleep. Finally, one night, I said, look. I just sat up in the bed, and I was talking to the Lord, and I said, look, you've told me you will give me peace. I don't have it. I'm trying to do this on my own. Lord, give me some peace. And I laid down, and I continued praying, and I fell asleep. You see, his promises are real. If you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's the kicker, man. I love this. And I like this old King James. I grew up with it, but it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're all whosoever's. Every single one of us were whosoever's. 
You say, oh, well, it's easy for you. You're, you're a preacher. You know, you've got all these things going for you. Folks, I grew up down here in Clover Bend, Arkansas. We were poor. We didn't have a lot. Life was not great. I grew up in the cotton fields. How many of y'all pick cotton? It sucks. <laughs> I got a buddy who says one of his bucket lists, he wants to go pick cotton. And I go, what are you talking about? I didn't like it when I had to do it. But when I called out to the Lord, he didn't look at me and go, nah, you ain't got any money. Y'all don't have a nice enough car. You ain't even got a color television yet. He said, welcome home. Welcome home. This man right here, sins forgiven, and to boot, he walked out. Hey, look, I don't know if God will heal my body. I don't have that. I can't, I can't tell you all that. But I do know this. He's promised me eternal life, and you can't beat it out of me. You got that? And I am still in my life watching him work. I have my problems. I have my